This morning's reading is from Genesis 3, 1 through 11, and 21 through 24. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. To the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. Thank you, Aaron, for reading the scripture for us. We continue in our American Idol um, sermon series. Again, it's a sermon series I preached maybe 10 years ago and thought it was apropos, like we should go through this again, considering what's going on in our world, our culture, in our church. And um, so why, right, is the question I have. Why are we so tempted by individualism, autonomy, Self-rule, self-direction, doing you, right? Being you, unaccountable being you, doing what you want to do, like you want to do it, what most of us may call and feel as freedom. The Bible says in this story of Adam and Eve that we just read that the serpent said this, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, the one God told them not to eat of. If you eat of this, you will be like God. You will know good and evil. In other words, you will be in control of your own destiny. You will steer your own car. You will drive and not just ride. You will live like you want. You will be able to determine what is right and wrong for yourself, which will mean this. Like God, 
what you do, why you do it, and how you do it will never and can never be that wrong. Why? Why would you and I like to have such power, such control, such self-guided rule to be that untouchable and that self-determining? Yes, why in the world would you want to be your own God or co-pilot this life with God? Simple, isn't it? This world and its people, and oftentimes what it feels like the God of this Bible, are unpredictable and feel untrustworthy. I mean, how many times will you and I be and feel left out because we don't fit in? We're too big or too small or too poor or too black or too white or too something, too little, too much but never right or good enough to be loved by the ones you want to be loved and accepted by so much? How many times do you have to believe in a relationship that, that, oh yeah, this person is the one, right? And they act like the one only to go after another. How long will you live in the soap opera of, I will get married or... If married, how many times will your spouse still not listen to you or understand you or get you? They still don't know your favorite color or food. How long before you and I realize that if we don't look out for number one, we'll get mistreated? How much of the poverty and ignorance of your family can you take? How long can you be content to live and love foolishly? How many times do you have to have experienced physical or sexual or emotional abuse before we get the picture? Fending for yourself, covering yourself, defending yourself, shielding yourself, running yourself makes good human sense. The idol of autonomy seems like the best choice to stay alive, to not lose yourself. I don't know about you, but this world and its people make me want to know and decide and figure for myself because I have and will get crushed and hurt, demeaned and damaged. But closer to the fire, right? How many times will you believe and have you believed that this, this church, right, or that church is the one, that pastor is so authentic, he's so good that, that I can trust this church community with my soul, the little hope I have that God exists. And once again, what happens? People will disappoint and take advantage of my naked heart and life. They will take my soul and make dinner out of it once again. Why should I be a fool again and let someone leave? me and know me and get in my life and take me anywhere spiritually or socially. And if we were real, if we were to get to the real nugget of a drive for autonomy and individualism and self-rule, it's because God, obviously, the God of the Bible obviously can't be or can't do it by himself. I felt it. Right? For the, the so-called God of the Bible, sometimes it feels like he leaves you hanging. He failed to answer your prayers. He let evil have its way in your life and it damaged you. He, the one in ultimate control, doesn't seem to talk back. 
And he doesn't seem to speak in terms that make sense in your world. Why did he make me and make my life so complicated and so filled with loss and disappointments? And some of us have said it and lived like this. God, I'm sorry, but I am God. And when I need your help or your advice, your seemingly twisted sense of morality, sometimes I see, I will ask for it on Sunday. You're like a fortune cookie, God. You can be an advisor, even a suitor and salesman for my heart, but it's hard to trust you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Trinity, I'm sorry, but I've learned the hard way that it's me, myself, and I. What we'll see today from this passage is how this idol of autonomy. And the the reason I open like that for you is I don't want you to think it's some insincere sort of, you know, mean thing or, 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 or determining thing that people do. Sometimes the hurt and the pains of the world come on you and you find yourself there. So what we'll see today from this passage is how the idol of autonomy and self determination hides and covers and catfishes our souls, right? with the promise and look of freedom, but actually it does three things I want us to see. The idol of autonomy makes you a slave of self-protection. Secondly, the idol of autonomy forces you to do what you shouldn't. And finally, the idol of autonomy makes you untouchable. Look at verse 4 through 11 once again with me. And it says here, after Eve says, we, if we eat this or touch this, we'll die. Serpent says, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that point, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig trees together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. Excuse me. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? This is what self-directed, right? Uh, uh, self-discovery for personal independence, right? For, for, for to, to know thyself to be true, right? To be free to be yourself by yourself really looks like you're not free, really. Like Adam and Eve, our sense of autonomy becomes more about hiding yourself than truly being yourself. 
right? You're committed to being co- to be covered and even become something else to, to put on leaves, to the mask, a, a put on to hide your nakedness, your weaknesses that you in this world ha- have made you aware of, to cover, to hide the shame of your inabilities and mistakes, to what's more prevalent, to live a life in which you are always defending yourself. That ain't freedom. That ain't being God. Have you all, I guess I may be the only one. I've heard other people talk about it. You ever had the bad dream when you show up someplace naked? Right? I kept having the same dream. I would go to the bus stop and I wouldn't know I was naked in front of all my friends at school until I got to the bus stop. How did that happen, right? Much less, right? In real life, we have all experienced showing up somewhere over or underdressed. Man, especially when you're like in middle school or high school going to some dance. Oh, my gosh. And you show up and someone just has to say, nobody wears that anymore. Or you realize you have a stain or tear or you're dressed too cold or too hot. Real freedom to be you regardless of what people think actually feels like nudity, right? Like nakedness. Here's the question. Can you really be you in this world? Can you? Are you really being you in this world? I highly doubt it. When you are hurt by others or feel like God has deceived you or you have been a laughing stock before others in your failure, you begin to really know yourself, right? Which means you've seen and know your fragility. You've seen and know what it feels like to feel insignificant, your dispensability, how unimpressive you are. And, and, And now human autonomy, you know what it becomes? It becomes about having and choosing, choosing the right coverage, right? Like proving and protecting yourself. That's not autonomy. That's a slave to self-protection. Self-determination then is about drawing and creating and casting the best caricature of yourself. You ever seen a caricature? The head's too big. You know, maybe for me to make the lips real big or the nose or something like that, right? Like you, you, oh, that's him, right? They, they accentuate the parts that, okay. We always, in our minds, have this larger than life, stronger than you really are presentation of ourselves. Putting yourself on blast or on the other side, making yourself invisible, right? A caricature where the areas in which your life are in control are exaggerated. You know, stuff that says unstoppable, impenetrable, with no vulnerability, jobs, who's calling me? Jobs, no job living, gifts and talents, the things that people can look at you and uh, look, that look at you and you can look at and say, me in control, I'm all right, I'm doing good. I'm okay. And no one knows you. No small group. You just want around you worshipers. Or living in the anonymity of an online profile. Come on, y'all. Think about your profile names. Anybody ever just put their regular old name out there? Why? Because dangerous, first of all. You don't want anybody knowing your real name. 
But think about some of your names. They're, they're exaggerated. They're incredulous. They're incredible. They're, sometimes they're um, minimalistic, right? You're just a number or something. H cool three or something crazy, right? That's not mine. Right? But it gives you the anonymity to, have, to participate in online fight club over issues. Yeah, oh, Christians love fight club. Looking for those thumbs up, but more like the masked singer thumbs up. Our wearable, livable resume that we live with is a leaf of protection, according to scripture here, that we've always been wearing, that we typically wear, that we must sew. Number one, they had to sew it on themselves, the Bible says, that we have to maintain. Because you ever seen what happens to the leaves after a while? They shrivel up and fall off, right? And then we have to work hard at getting around in a way like they did from certain conversations and certain people and certain situations. And of course, you got to stay away from God. Which means we must establish fences. Because the covering is not enough. We have to establish fences and rules of engagement around ourselves and around our actions. And so like the God of the Bible, not quite like him, but sort of like the God of the Bible, and that's a big sort of, we must set up our own commandments and our own rules and our own self-fitting morals. Look with me at verse 1 here. Did we have verse one? Okay, we did. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Sometimes, all right. The serpent was, the Bible says, the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the, tr- from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and, the, and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fake leaves together to cover themselves. What's happened? Basically, forget what God, and they added too. He said you can't touch it. He never said you couldn't touch it, right? Just, you know, it's not just not doing. Let me throw this one in there for you. You know, when we talk about obeying and disobeying God or, or, or living free under God's grace, it's not just about not doing certain things. Sometimes you're God by adding new things, right? Even new good things, right? That God hasn't called you to do. But what's happened? Basically, forget what God, the one who had just made us a little while ago, the one we walked with in the garden, right? Forget what he said. It's not about relation with him. It's actually about being smart for myself. It's not about this being the one. It's not 
about this being the one tree he told us not to eat from. It's about my pleasure. See the new rule here for Eve in which she saw? The new rule is this. Not relationship and obedience to God. Not joy in relationship with God. The new rule is this. It looks good and it tastes good. A new rule for living. Now you've heard it. If it feels good, if it looks good, we're going to do it, right? How good it looks, how good it might taste. Who cares whether this might destroy me in the long run? I've redetermined that the effects are not that bad now. We are forced, right? If we're on our own without God ruling and reigning our lives to make a new right and wrong to fit, not a whole world, forget that, can't handle making a whole new world, just doing me within the rules, I mean world. We, so we create rules and regulations and, and guess what? All kind of sliding scales and, and morally grade on a curve for our personal mistakes, our obvious weaknesses and vices and hungers and personal desires. Oh, what freedom. See, if you are your own God, like Eve attempted to do, you have to be right and righteous most, if not all the time. If you want to be God, you got to be God. Even if you've got your own rules, you got to be perfect in your own rules. And that's the mistake we made. We talked about a little bit last week. We human beings make morals and laws and sliding scales and do things according to pleasure and personal principle, right? But we don't even follow our own rules well. You know what that means? You and I have to make new laws and morals sometimes every other day to support our own kingdom. And I think what's hard for us is sometimes it's not you moving. What happens when the world moves, right? We were laughing the other day because, you know, sometimes we're criticized because we multi-ethnic other stuff. I'm not getting into it. Yeah, it is the liberal church. Wait a minute. You mean did we move or did things go real right real fast, Right? I'm not judging that. I'm just saying it can happen that you can be moderate and something shifts in the world, right? Sometimes you are a ship on the sea and the sea and the winds and the waves put you off course, but you never moved, right? You never steered any direction right or left or front. You just, right? So now you got to make new rules for living. What? I, I couldn't remember the movie when I was writing it, but isn't there a movie where um, Jim Carrey or somebody gets to be God for the day or something like that? What's Bruce Almighty? That movie is profound. How would you like to work in the big corner office in heaven? What must that be like? How many prayers? How many folk hate you? Right? I, I remember, y'all remember there's a scene when the prayers came up 
and it was like an infinite number of file cabinets, right? And you got to determine if I answer the prayer this way, is this good for the person long-term, short-term? What, what effects is going to have on somebody else? So if I answer this person's question and prayer, then how, what, oh, right? Have a hard enough time. If you got more than one kid, do one thing. Oh, my goodness, right? We, we've all had in attempts to be God had justifying thoughts like this. Woo, I'm tired of running my life. I deserve a break today from being God. <laughs> I felt it. Like, woo, I'm just going to relax. I'm not doing nothing. I mean, some days you're like, I, I know I was going to do this. I knew I was going to wash clothes. I knew I was going to clean the kitchen all the way tonight. Mm-mm, not doing the pots, just putting the pans, I mean, the plates in the dishwasher, going to bed. Put the, put the sudsy water in there and wait till tomorrow, right? Yeah, y'all laugh because y'all know. I'm not going to put them clothes up, leave them right in the laundry basket, right? You deserve a day break from being good. Right? Because it's pleasurable and good for the eyes. Just like, let's just take a break. And, and they aren't going to, you know, or, or man, God has made this too hard for me to be in control. It's so self-fulfilling and satisfying. Forget the world and family and children and wife and husband. And yeah, okay, sometimes forget God. And sometimes when I need God, I can call him. Oh, man, right? That, 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 you're a terrible God. You and I are awful. You have terrible God management skills. You can't even care for yourself. Man, you, try to, you ever tried to manage the God of the Bible? The other day, we were talking about the, you know, the apologetics issues. And, you know, this church is really, you know, um, relevant. And, and it always goes this way. They're answering the questions that people are asking. I used to think that was right. God ain't here to answer the, all the questions you asking. You're a parent, some of y'all. Do you answer all the questions your kids are asking? With satisfaction to them? What about this question? When are we going to get there? Huh? You could read the number off the Waze or Twitter app and say, we're going to be there and blah, 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 blah. They never answer our questions, right? Sometimes we become the gods of our own self-destruction most times. And we don't even think about how it affects others. We realize and ask the others around us, we make, I mean, ask people around you, you know, okay, if, if, if you're married, if, or, or number one, if you got friends, if you have friends, close friends, okay, at parents, family, um, let me tell you, siblings, ask your other sibling, um, parents, ask your kids, do you, do you think I'd make a good God? Do, do you think I would be good running my own life or my own nation or my own world? Trust me, if they say anything besides, no, you wouldn't, they're lying. They're trying to manage their own world, <laughs> especially if you got something they need, right? You know, as, as Lauren Hill said a long time ago, my stuff is complex, right? 
And here's what happens. Things are so complex that you and I, like a guy, covered in mystery, mystery, unsearchable and righteous in our own right, have now become helpless and untouchable human beings. Nobody or nothing can reach you or find you or help you at this level or that level or in this place or in this history in your life or this deep pain or this deep disappointment or this desire. Why? Because it was insecurity that made you try to be your own God in the first place. So every attempt to reach you, every word of advice that seek that can challenge you somewhere, you know, in that soft place, in that sensitive place, in, you know, those classified files of your emotion and your heart and your mind and your life, as soon as anyone starts poking around that kind of stuff, it's suspect and not as good as yours. Any authority figure is scary to us. Every I just want to help is dangerous. Everything that feels like intimacy or closeness is a plot or plan to shut you down and control you into some bad place. Every touch feels like something's wrong, creepy. Every helping hand feels like corporate takeover. Every truth sounds like a lie. Look, look at verse 8 and 9 with me. It says here, when the cool evening breezes were blowing. Man, that sounds like paradise, don't it? Y'all ever been on like a tropical place? I'm sorry, I'm going there because of the way I'm feeling. But in the evening breezes be right? Okay. Sometimes you just got to stop. Man, this scripture pretty good. So when the cool evening breezes were blowing and the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden... Excuse me. That, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? The idol of autonomy like Adam and Eve makes us hide and cower and run to a place where we are the only ones who can help ourselves. Where we won't be able to be touched, reached, visited, or helped. And get this, we are stuck right there only being as good. Hear this. Only experiencing life as well as you can make it. Only dealing with hurt and pain as well as you personally can deal with it. Only operating in the deep places as well as we can cut and take the pain. And when we become helpless by anyone or anything else, you and I become careless with our life and our relationships. It means we can't be cared for and so we do crazy things like try to fix ourselves. Right? We go get all the books. We want to know about how to self-help. The other day I went to my doctor. And I was like, you know, doc, I've been doing my own reading on how to deal with my issues. And I found these pills, see, on Amazon. <laughs> I don't think I necessarily need the prescription situation. It just says take five pills every meal, every day. Five pills. When I told Kelly it takes five, she was like, nah, that, that, that ain't right. Five pills, nope. 
something wrong. I'm like, but they found it in this remote country. <laughs> and she did exactly what you did. She laughed. Right? Right? But when you try to fix yourself, it's always going to be a mess. Right? Which means, you know, um, autonomy. Uh, means you, you, you're doing a full-scale operation on your heart and on your life, you with the scalpel, you as the nurse, the surgeon, the anesthesiologist, and the heart rate person in one person. Autonomy, self-determination outside of God and his provided means to help you makes us do and think some careless and dangerous things to ourselves, not only ourselves, but to our community. I will not tell the truth of my struggles. I will at all costs look and act like I'm in control. I will not listen to the sermon, but with a critical heart, I will not commit to anything or anybody. I will not go to counseling. I won't ask for help. Some of you have been so careless that your heart and life are almost dead. You have killed yourself with self-isolation and pleasures and and home remedies and and some remote island tree thing. And and you are so unknown. You're so in control of your own stuff, so independent that like Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes, in the leaves, you have lost grip and you're not on the path of true and real life. I was looking at this article on feral children that they find, like, raised by the wolves. I know y'all like Mobley, and I know y'all... Not Mobley. That's his name, right? Jungle Book? Okay. But they, the, the scientific evidence says this. Feral children's brains shrink. And they will never be able to function in normal situations, right? The idol of autonomy is a disconnect from your full humanity. In the dark, in the room alone, and our hearts and our souls have shrunk to loneliness, to to destructive nothingness where where no one knows you or can know you. And you you know what's interesting? (laughs) You don't even know what love feels like anymore. I don't know if it's exhaustively true for all of us, but any one of us in here can admit that in places and ways in our lives, we can't recognize safe relationship or intimacy, not only with others, but the God of the Bible. Fear. Insecurity, pride, and arrogance have made us a less of a person and human in how we act and behave. How can we be safe from the death of having to be God? Look at verse 9 with me. It says here, um, God replied, I heard you. No, I'm sorry, verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Now, I'm going to let you know that God is asking them, where are you? But he's not asking, right? Because he knows the answer, right? Never play hide and seek with God. He always wins, right? He's calling them. He's calling to their condition. Where are you? 
Where is our relationship? Where has your heart gone? Where has your life run to? Where, who have you become? How did you get here? Why are you so insecure? Why do you hate yourself? Why do you hate your real self, the one I created you to be? And what follows the call is a reality check, right? God agreeing, guess what? Y'all messed up. Y'all have been messed up, but I have a plan, a plan to be the God of rebellious and autonomy-seeking people. And the plan is this. I'm not going to let you dress yourself anymore. I'm going to dress you myself. And I will give you life instead of you getting it or missing out on it for yourself. Look at verse 21 quickly. It says here. Whoa. Okay. And the Lord God made y'all laughing because I turned 50 yesterday. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, look, the hu- look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. He sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. He placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Before you begin to underestimate the power of someone dressing you, consider what it means and what it does to the heart. Now, my boys are old enough, and for the most part, they know how to dress. I remember being, nothing, step back, but I remember when they were kids, and some of you with kids right now, and all of us have been that kid. You ever to the, been to the grocery store and you see the kid in the princess dress or with the cape in the pajamas? Not a mama's wear pajamas too, but like. <laughs> but it's hard for my boys when they were young because if I let them dress themselves, they'll freeze or have heat stroke. Why do they want to wear a coat in summer? Right? Why do they want to wear shorts in winter? Let me dress. And boy, the, the struggle. They will hurt their feet just to be independent. They wear the old shoes. There have been times when, you know, there's some shoes back in the back of the closet we haven't found in a while, and they're like, I want to wear these today. Why? They're two years old. They're two inches too short. I want them, right? And they want to be, it's more about them being independent and in control and right by themselves. The gospel, the message of God's care for us, Christianity can be hard for us because it says this, you can't dress yourself. You can't take care of yourself. Your life looks and is jacked up by your own hands. But it is freeing because it's not about being redressed just to show how backwards you and I are, but more so to cover and break down the shame and sense of self-protection, covering our fears and scars, those things that make us cower and makes us lying people who act like we are sure and okay. God's grace clothing gives you the freedom and security to be 
who you really are and can be. Sinners loved by God. Rebellious brats who love to try to put our shoes on backwards and will hurt our own feet. Not to be wrong. Who are loved and kept and redressed by God to be the one God dresses. Children who need him to dress them lest they be self-condemned and shamed and destroyed and alone and abandoned. One more thing here. It says the flaming sword was set up. Setting up the flaming sword in front of the tree of life. He saves us from self-dependency and autonomy by stopping us from finding and taking life for ourselves. It's the message of the Bible. It's the message of Christianity. God alone gives life. Now, y'all have heard this study plenty of times and probably heard it in sermons lots of times. How kids on a playground without a fence don't move around much. They tend to stay close to the wall or close to the teacher, even if there's like a, the, the best jungle gym in the world near the road, if there is not a fence, they studied and they said kids won't go to it. But when there's a fence, every square inch within the fence is explored. Freedom and choices, hear me, diminish without the fence. With a fence, with boundaries of care, there is freedom and believe it or not, more opportunities for your flourishing, exploration and discovery who you are and what you can be. You are not all you should and can be without his freeing boundary care of your life. We bought this house not too far from here some years ago. Now we can't afford to buy it. <laughs> we could only afford to buy it 13 years ago when I don't know how long it's been. But now we, could know, we can't afford to live in that house. But it had a furnace that had problems. Sometimes the light, it'd go off. We'd be cold. And it always happened like 2.30 in the morning. I'd have to go in the crawl space where the furnace was, 2.30 in the morning, cold, angry, tired, afraid them camel crickets were going to get on me. That's what I was most afraid of, them camel crickets. If you ever seen one, oh, just think, men in black, that final scene with that bug, yes. <laughs> but imagine like 2,000 of them. Yeah. First time I went under there and I didn't, I, I, I didn't know we had them because there were so many, it just looked like part of the wall until you move and it's like, what? oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> but we called the bug people. We killed them. We killed them. But I'd go under there, have to light the furnace, turn it on, trying to be careful, hoping I didn't burn up something or blow something up. My dad found about it. And he says, hey, son, let, 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 let me get you a new furnace. Because I done burned and messed up plenty of times. I've been in the crawl space plenty of times. 
I just didn't want it. I didn't want the help. This is my house. I bought it. I can take care of it. I can be the man at 2.30 in the morning. I learned something, though. He wanted to show still that I had a dad who cared about me. He wanted to be known and responded to as the one who is free because he was upset. Why didn't you tell me? He wanted to be the one who was free and unhindered, unlike me. The one who was autonomous to care for me because I didn't have money for it. It was about his showing off, not mine, but my own, for my own good, right? God is saying to all of us control freaks, let me make it plain. Us control failures. <laughs> I alone am successful, autonomous, and free to have life, and the only one who's powerful enough and secure enough and true enough to give it to you. When I read this scripture, about him covering them. It says he covered them with skins of an animal. Bloodshed. Bloodshed. So that rebellious, want to be their own God, autonomous people can be known as the children of God. That was the first time in history. But we know the most significant point in history. God took the life of his son so that we could be covered in his righteousness and not our own. You have the freedom in Christ to be you, right? And that is a broken sinner loved by a powerful and loving God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Give us the freedom to not have to run and live our lives anymore. We've tried to run it. We've tried to manage the pain. We've tried to find our own medicines. We've tried to be alone. We're ashamed, Lord, at the way we struggle. We're ashamed, Lord, at some of our vices. We're ashamed, Lord, of some of our sins. We want to hide. We'd rather kill ourselves, Lord, spiritually and emotionally than face shame. So we thank you that you are a shame-covering God. I pray that you would cover the shame of those who don't know you right now, Lord, so they can come to Christ. Let them know that Christ got their back. He's got them covered. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, you would make and help those out here who don't know you so sick and tired of running their own lives that they would be tired enough to fall before you and know your love and protection and covering. Lord, for those of us who've been walking with you a long time, oh, it's, we, want to, we want the keys to the car. We want to run our lives. We want to dress ourselves. Lord, it is a constant temptation. We thank you that the way you've covered in Christ, us in Christ, it never fades and it never fails. Thank you, Lord. Remind us of that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.